0: that was encouraging you just to reflect on uh, the role that that person or those people had. And um, I think there's uh, maybe a, a couple of conclusions that we can draw just sort of thinking about that. It helps us to realize that encouragement really works, doesn't it? As we reflect on how people encouraged us, it reminds us that actually encouragement is so powerful when people are really intentional about it and they pray into it. And um, I hope that that's been a reminder to you of that. It's also very easy to do, isn't it, relatively? Um, It's not necessarily that difficult, but perhaps the other conclusion comes from, if I just ask you, uh, you don't need to discuss this, but when was the last time you intentionally encouraged a friend or a family member or a colleague or a neighbor? I don't know what the answer is. It may be yesterday, it may be today, it may be a month ago, it may be much longer. I think what that reveals is that although it's easy to do, it's so easy to forget to do. And I think it's arguably the most undervalued and overlooked spiritual gift that there is. So what I want to do today is place encouragement back in the centre of who we are as a church. We really feel as a leadership it is vital in actually us growing as a body. And interestingly, in the centre is actually where Paul places it. I don't know if we can show you the words on the screen, but Romans 12, it has um, a little uh, summary of uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And um, there are seven of them there, seven being the biblical number of completion. And bang in the middle of those is the gift of encouragement, perhaps reflecting the importance that Paul knew it had in the people of God growing together. So, encouragement is so important, and obviously that passage there is saying if it's your gift to encourage, then give encouragement. Go on and use that gift, and use it time and time again. Now, if you are someone who knows that you have that gift, if you've been using it the last few years, I want to say thank you for the encouragement you've given me, and I know we as a whole staff team would like to say thank you. It makes a huge difference. But this sermon isn't just for people who feel they have the gift of encouragement. That's probably a minority of us. But the thing is that just as we're all called to witness, even though only some of us have the gift of evangelism, we're all called to teach what we can to our family, to our friends, to ourselves, even though we may not all have the gift of teaching. So in the same way, we are all to encourage each other whether or not that's a a particular gift that we have. And we saw that from both those passages that we read, didn't we, first in Hebrews. It's clearly a letter written uh, to every single Christian in that place. And it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and um, encouraging each other in doing that. And one Thessalonians, and you might want to keep this open as we go through the sermon, because I'm drawing on it so heavily, It says there, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And then again in verse 14, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. What's the conclusion? It's that clearly encouraging each other is something that's expected of us all. It's not a sort of optional extra just for those of a particularly sunny disposition. It's actually for us all. And it's to be targeted particularly at those who are in most need. And the word timid in that passage is more helpfully translated in in other versions as as disheartened. And we might want to add to those who are disheartened, those who are in need of encouragement because of uh, bereavement or anxiety or doubt or low spirits or illness or persecution or mistreatment or being impoverished or whatever it might be. This week, we've had a lot of different things going on pastorally as a church. And there's a lot of people in pain out there. And this passage is saying to us, whenever we're aware of those who particularly need encouragement and support and care and love, let's go out there and give it to them. Don't need to be a church leader to do that. We're all to do it. And as we do to it, we're actually joining the very heart of the very work of God. Psalm 10 verse 17 says this, You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. And yet the reality is the means that God often uses to do that is through people like you and me. Indeed, encouragement is the very heart of what God is seeking to do through his Holy Spirit. And as we read through the book of Acts, that record of the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church, we actually read this in chapter 9. It says, The church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So by offering ourselves to be encouragers of those around us, We are actually joining in the work of God, sharing the heart of God. And the consequences when we do that, I believe will be the same as in that early church. The church will grow in numbers. It will grow in holiness, which is what that phrase, living in the fear of the Lord, uh, refers to. And just as in that church, the Hebrews letter was written to, it will also spur us on to love and to good deeds and all that God longs to do in us and through us, to bless our own people but also those outside the church doors. That's the heart that God has for us and encouragement is a key part of that. And it's not just staff who are called to do that, it's every one of us and in fact um, leaders of churches often need that encouragement more than anyone else. And Paul perhaps alluded to that when he writes in, in our passage, verse 12, We ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, care, who care for you in the Lord, hold them in the highest regard because of their work. And goes even as far in Galatians 6, verse 6, to say anyone who receives instruction in the world must share all good things with his instructor. So the reasons for encouraging each other then are what? It's that it grows the church. It grows the church in numbers and in holiness and in fruitfulness. Because it's commanded in scripture. And because, let's face it, we all need it. If not today, we will tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day. We all need an encouragement. And the only way we're going to get the encouragement we truly need is if each of us is seeking to give it as well as receive it. So what I want to do now is just suggest five uh, different components, if you like, of encouragement that the Bible and that God calls us to give. Five different things that we can share which can really, really encourage people in their faith. So the first of them is this, and it's what I, I call the big picture. It's the big picture of the past, what God has done for us through Jesus dying for us. It's about Grace. About the fact that we didn't, we didn't need to do anything. We couldn't do anything to earn that mercy, that forgiveness. But God has given it to us as a free gift. And it's about the future. The fact that we can be with him forever. And those two things form that big picture of the gospel and all that God has done for us. The riches of Christ that, that Paul talks so often about in the Bible. And um, that's the big picture. And as we remind ourselves... And we remind each other of that it puts the ups and downs and the, the challenges that we face in the here and now in perspective let's not lose sight of that and that's why so much of what we do in church is celebrating is reminding ourselves of that big picture of all that God has given us and he's going to give us through Christ so that's the first thing the big picture the second is God's purposes for each Christian believer we can so easily lose Um, Sight of what it is we're actually called to as Christians. And yet the Bible tells us quite clearly that actually our purpose in general terms, and we'll find it in our two passages actually, 1 Thessalonians verse 23, that we would be kept blameless, that we would live holy lives. And then in that Hebrews passage verse 24, that we would be spurred on to love and good deeds, that we would have all of that fruitfulness Do all of those good things that God longs to do to bless those around us. That's what we're called to as Christians. And as we encourage each other in that calling to stand firm, to really hunger for righteousness and fruitfulness, well then we've got a chance of attaining to it. So that's the second thing. We remind each other of God's purposes for us. The third is this. We remind each other of God's Promises. Now, why is that so important? I think it's because of this. Um, It speaks so helpfully into our doubts, into our anxieties, into our insecurities. And um, here are a few examples of the promises of God that actually can transform how we cope with the the difficulties and the challenges that we face. So, here are some famous verses just as examples of, of the truths that we can share. With each other so Romans 8 28 says this we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do and John 14 such words of comfort from Jesus peace I leave with you peace I give you do not let your hearts be troubled do not be afraid and at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And the reason we need to share this as well is because actually encouragement that has no substance, that's just kind of wishful thinking, empty words, ultimately doesn't do us any good. But if we base it on substance, on the truth of what God has revealed to us about his promises and about his character, then actually that is encouragement that actually has weight, that can be trusted and that will last. And it's when we do that, that actually people can have that rock to build their life upon and can have those promises that they can actually depend on and sustain them through whatever um, difficulties or challenges or anxieties or sadness they face. Here's the fourth thing that we can share in our encouragement. We can share what God is doing in our lives. Share our testimony, which doesn't just mean how we became a Christian, but actually week on week, month on month, year on year, what we sense God is doing in our lives. And so we think this is so important. We've actually got a whole Sunday devoted to sharing our stories. Um, in the uh, first Sunday, December, December the seventh. We want to learn from what God is doing with each other. And just as it's so important to share that with with church leaders, as Paul has said, surely it's also just as important to share it with each other. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. How can we do that, though, Unless we actually share what God is doing and what he is causing us to rejoice in in our own lives. And related to that, a fifth and final thing we can seek to encourage each other with. Encourage them with answers to prayer. Share what it is that you want prayer for. Share what you are asking God for and then please, please, share the answers to prayer that you receive. We want to have that happening more and more in our services. And what greater encouragement is there to pray than to hear about how God is answering the prayers of each other. He is faithful. It's the same God for each of us. And as we draw on the faith that others have shown and God's faithfulness to them, so we are strengthened in our desire to trust him in all that we face in our lives. I've got two final things I want to talk about now. And um, one of them is is actually, how do we, though, make sure that we actually have something encouraging to share? I talked about the content of what we might share, but what if you're not feeling encouraged? Well, I just want to say that actually, we need to draw on the encouragement of each other, but we also need to encourage ourselves. And we can see that in the passage from 1 Thessalonians as well. I think these words are so powerful. And yet if we don't have the discipline to actually practice this, we're not going to have that personal encouragement, that personal uh, positive perspective that actually we can then share with others. And this is what Paul says, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Paul's expectation, if we do that together, And that we do it individually. And as we do that, we find that we can get that comfort, that peace, that perspective that actually we need. Which we can then share with others. Practice encouragement with yourself. Practice it with each other. And then we will find that we have things to share. And we have that desire and that motivation to encourage each other. So here's a final Question that I want to address then. How do we know who to encourage, what to say, or what to do? And it's here that we really need to remember the importance of the Holy Spirit in actually encouraging each other. Now, we've heard in Acts how the Holy Spirit was encouraging the church through individuals playing their part in that. And we also can look at an individual Christian in the New Testament. Now you'll know him, his name, I imagine it's Barnabas. That wasn't his real name, he was actually called Joseph. But Barnabas was given that name because it means son of encouragement. So let's have a little look then at what we learn about Barnabas, just as a clue to what it might look like in practice to encourage each other. I want to share two little snippets of his life, which we pick up in Acts. So the first is chapter 4 and it says this, Barnabas sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. What does that tell us? It tells us that he encouraged those apostles by showing that he believed in what they were doing. He recognised God's anointing on them and he wanted to show that actually God was with them and that God had prompted him to give generously to allow their work to happen and I remember in my last church we uh, got to a a really strategic moment where we were feeling called to make some changes that although quite radical uh, we didn't really have the money to implement and yet we believed God was laying on our hearts and uh, we were praying into it and God uh, prompted someone in the congregation um, to give an incredibly generous gift and he gave us specifically for the implementation of those changes. And I can't describe what an enormous impact that had. We went from fear and trepidation to actually great confidence that God had blessed us and that he was with us. And that's something that we can think about doing as we seek to encourage. It might be in financial resources, it might be in time people volunteering. That happens often as well. It might be in in wanting to offer a particular gift or a a particular creative contribution. Just a way of saying that I sense God is in what we're doing and I want to play my part in a special way. So that's one thing that Barnabas did. But here's another. We read a little bit later. Uh, It says this, uh, chapter 11, that Barnabas was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord through him. Wouldn't you love to have that said about you? To be a great man or woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And yet why do we need that? To be great encouragers? Because actually, we need faith to believe that if we ask God he will direct us to those people that need encouragement he will give us the words to say and that he will work powerfully to encourage them through us and this is where encouragement and the gift of prophecy actually overlap what prophecy means in very simple terms and we'll look at this in more detail in a few weeks time it means this that we sense that God is prompting us to share something with another person, and we sense that this is not originating with us, but actually we suspect it's originating with God. What do we do with that? Well, I think we need to pray into it. We need to weigh it against scripture and against perhaps the wise advice of others. We need to offer it sensitively, lovingly, cautiously, inviting people to make of it whatever uh, they want to make and to use it as ever as they see fit. And that's exactly what Paul actually urges us to do. If you look um, in uh, what he says in verses 19 to 21, he says this, Do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. And then he adds here in 1 Corinthians 14, For everyone who prophesies speaks to men, for their strengthening, their encouragement and comfort. I want to finish with a final story just from my own life. And um, this has happened in a few moments in my life and it's had the most extraordinary impact. And the the story I just want to uh, share with you is about 10 years ago I was just beginning to step out and seeing what God wanted to do uh, in me and through me in, in kind of church ministry and very early steps. I used to do speaking at various Christian ski holidays, uh, which was fun. And uh, that particular trip, um, I had my own room, which is always a blessing. Um, But on the final night, uh, someone was put in my room with me. And it turned out to be the coach driver who had driven the coach all the way from England uh, to pick us up and take us home the next day. Now he ought to have been completely shattered. He probably was. But as we sort of got ready for bed, he said to me, Tom, would you mind if I prayed for you and prophesied over you? And um, I was a bit surprised, but I thought, well, this sounds like a good thing. Um, And it wouldn't have been rude to have said no in any case. So I didn't know what to expect. So I went along with this. And I will never forget the impact that he had. He just, for several minutes, just came out with various pictures, various words, various um, kind of... uh, Ideas about what God wanted to do in my life and he knew nothing about me and yet those words were of such extraordinary relevance um, and have proven to be so extraordinarily accurate in terms of the challenges that I would go on to face and the, the assurances that he was giving me about how God regarded me and how God would equip me for the things that I would face. I wrote it all down And I've returned to it in my own thinking time and time again. And what I want to say to you is that God can do that through you and he can do that for you. Let's be open to the encouragement, not just of the scriptures, but the encouragement that the God who knows exactly what we're going through right now in every one of us can actually speak directly into that situation through the people of God and sometimes directly to us as well. Let me conclude, and I I want to just ask a final question of us all. Do you feel that actually you are encouraging people in your life as much as God would have you do? I don't know what the answer is for me. The answer is no. So I have a second question. What would you like God to do in you to grow that gift of encouragement? Well, I'm going to invite the band to come up now as we enter the, the last part of our service. But I want to just invite us all, uh, just for a moment as they do so, just take a minute or so, just to silently listen to God. What do you feel that he's saying to you about you and encouragement? About the encouragement you need? And about the encouragement that he longs for you to give to others? So let's take a minute just to Um, reflect on that, maybe to pray, and then I'm going to invite us all to uh, join uh, together in in listening to God and seeking to respond to him. So let's just have a minute of silence and then I'll lead us through uh, what we're going to do next.